Hello, and welcome to the STEM Untapped podcast series. We're delighted you could join us. Research from Microsoft reveals that having a role model was one of the most effective ways to prevent girls falling out of love with STEM subjects. As all partners at Untapped are female scientists, and many of our clients and associates are female and non-binary scientists, we felt that we had a unique opportunity to match students with a variety of role models of their choice. This way, students can ask the questions that are most important to them, allowing them to gain access into a diverse array of different STEM careers. In this podcast, the students are going to introduce you to Kirsty McCabe, who's a broadcast meteorologist. Kirsty presents and writes about the weather for Sky News and the Royal Meteorological Society. I'm Kirsty McCabe and I'm a broadcast meteorologist. And that means I basically tell people what's happening with the weather. So I look at the weather, but then I also try and interpret it um, so that I can make it more understandable for the public. So um, I do that in a few different ways. Obviously, there's presenting the weather on TV and radio, but I also write about it as well. And I also talk to people about it. So I've been chatting to people at schools and anyone that's interested in the weather um, do a lot of explainers because I think everyone's always interested to know what's going on and why things are happening. What is meteorology? Meteorology is basically studying the Earth's atmosphere and seeing what's happening in terms of weather and climate. So we're looking at whether it's hot, cold, wet or dry and trying to work out what's going to happen with our climate. So there's forecasting as in what's going to happen on a day-to-day basis. But then there's also to see whether or not our climate is changing. So it's really the studying of our Earth's atmosphere and the effects it has on us. When did you find out about meteorology? Do you know, I didn't find out as young as you. I think I was always aware of the weather, obviously, but I didn't think about it as a subject to study until later on. So I actually did geophysics at university, which is looking at more sort of earthquakes and volcanoes and how the planet works. And it wasn't until after I graduated that I sort of moved more towards understanding how our atmosphere works. I think nowadays you can actually do degrees that include both geophysics and meteorology. So if I could do it all over again, I'd probably go that route because I find both of them still really fascinating. When did you know you wanted to become a meteorologist? I was working for a magazine called New Scientist magazine and they have a job section in it. And my friend who I worked with was looking through it and he held it up and said, oh, look, they're looking for weather girls, which isn't the nicest way to describe the job. But it was the Met Office and the BBC were actually looking for broadcast meteorologists. And although he said it to me as a kind of joke, I thought, actually, I'd really quite like to do that. That sounds right up my street. And so I looked into what you had to have to do it. And you had to have a background in physics. And you didn't have to have meteorology because you could do the training on the job. And so I thought, well, I've got the right background. So I applied and my first ever interview was all on camera. And they basically made me do a weather broadcast with no experience and no idea what I was doing just to see if I could do it. So they knew if I was somebody that they could work with and train up to do the job. Did you work as something else before becoming as a meteorologist? I suppose I started off as a sub-editor which is somebody who corrects spelling and grammar and rewrites a lot of things because um, scientists are really good at what they do, but sometimes they're not very good at communicating what they do to other people. And so you almost need somebody in between to kind of take what they've done, work out what's interesting, what's new, what's what you'd like to learn from it, and then rewrite it for somebody else to read. So I did a lot of that, but that really helped me when it comes to doing meteorology and doing weather. 
I can look at all the jargon that comes out, the computer models and all the technical words that people talk about. And I can think, actually, all you want to know is that it's going to be quite nice this weekend, but it's going to be a bit windy. And so it's just getting the information across. I suppose I started in a job that in hindsight was really useful, really good training for what I do now. But my first ever job was and as Avon representative, where I went round to people's houses with the catalogue and sold things to them. And that was probably good because it built up my confidence in being able to speak to people. How do you balance your social and family life with your work life? Uh, now, if you are interested in meteorology, the big downside is that there is usually shift work involved. And so that means you'll be working nights, weekends, earlys, late. I did breakfast television for years, and that means getting up at 3.30 in the morning. So balancing your social life and family life is pretty tricky. So you have to have somebody quite understanding. Um, and as I've got older and got married and had children, I've started to do as few shifts as I can get away with so that I can then balance things and have a bit more of a social life. So I think if you get into this industry, then you have to accept that at the beginning, you will probably be doing a lot of the earlies, a lot of the nights, a lot of the weekends, all the shifts that nobody else wants to do. But then as you get more senior, hopefully you'll get to do a little bit more sociable hours and you can fit other things in but it like everything in life it is a bit of a balance and if you really want to do something then you won't mind it it's kind of comes with the job why did you pursue a career in tv uh, i think like most people it's quite exciting there's sort of the glamour of television although the reality often isn't glamorous at four in the morning when you arrive at work but it's just something i did um youth theatre when I was younger so I quite like the performing aspect of things and I still sing in a choir now so I think it's it's quite nice to be able to have a little sort of nice sort of outlet for you I suppose that you can sort of perform but then it's also it's nice that you can communicate you're educating people and telling them about things we had a lot of dust due to the Saharan dust the other day and it's quite nice being able to explain to people well do you know actually all the sand and dust that dirted all the cars that actually came from the Sahara Desert and it got dragged northwards by strong winds and then the rain washed out the sky onto our cars. And it's just really nice to be able to explain just everything to people from, you know, how are rainbows made? Why is the sky blue? Why is my car dusty? Is it going to be nice? Is it going to snow? It's, it's something that means we've always got able to chat to people and something to talk about. And I just really like TV is just another way of engaging with people. Radio is really good fun as well. And of course, there's like, as I mentioned, the glamorous side, you get to meet people and that's all quite exciting. Are there any skills needed to work in the TV part of meteorology? You need quite a thick skin because people will comment on what you look like and what you're wearing. So you need to take on board anything that's useful, but maybe filter out things that aren't quite so nice. You need to be able to talk in public. You need to be confident. I think you also just have to be you and the best presenters you see on TV are usually the ones are just them, but maybe with just a little bit more energy. So you have to be yourself, be a good communicator and enjoy it, because if you enjoy what you're doing, that's going to come across. So if you don't like speaking in public and you don't want to stand up in front of a crowd, then that wouldn't be the job for you. But if you enjoy doing that, then I think you would enjoy doing it. Is it difficult being a woman in TV? Yep. The sad reality is that we as women are still judged an awful lot on what we look like and what we're wearing more than what we're seeing. And we don't always get paid the same as men. So I think things are changing and hopefully they'll change even more so by the time you guys have finished school. But it is still a battle to be recognised for your ability 
to do the job and not what you look like doing the job. I think that will change. It has to change, but it, it is taking time. So it is a little bit harder being a woman in the industry. And I certainly found that as well when I was pregnant um, with my children. You get judged a lot on that as well. And you know, people don't have the right to comment on you and things like that, but they do. And that's when I don't go on social media that much these days, because I think that's where you get a lot of people will say things on Twitter that they wouldn't ever say to somebody if they met you face to face. So I think you have to separate what's real and that's your friends and family and then what's not real. And that's people that you don't know saying things online. Is it normal for a woman to work in this career? Yes, I think there's actually quite a good split between men and women doing meteorology Although we maybe get treated a little bit differently, I think there's still quite a good split. And in the UK, I think we're a little bit more respected. In some countries, they do have more women doing it and it is as something to look at. In other countries, they only have men doing it because they consider it to be quite serious. So it changes around the world. But certainly in the UK and America, it's a very respected profession. There's qualifications that you have to have to be able to do the job and probably a good split between men and women that do it. Is it normal for people to think you're not doing the research or work? I think there are a lot of people that don't know what actually happens when somebody's presenting the weather. And they have this idea that I'm just standing there, someone else has told me what to say, and I'm just reading a script. And the reality is that there is no script, it's all ad-libbed. I've spent time beforehand looking at the forecast model, working out what's going on, making my own graphics. And so when I go and stand in a studio... Sometimes the graphics aren't even there because it's a green screen. So I'm doing it more from memory or from a tiny little autocue where I can see not any words, but I can see the graphics. And so I'm talking off the top of my head. I'm telling the weather story how I think it best suits. But I have to do it to whatever time I get told in an earpiece from the director. They might say, you've got a minute. And then they might say, oh, actually, you've only got 30 seconds. And so when I hear the voice in my head going 10, 9, 8, 7, I know I've got to stop talking on zero so it's quite high pressure but there's a lot more to it I think than somebody watching and that's the skill of the weather presenter that if you watch them doing it and they're chatting away they seem relaxed they're getting information across and you have no idea what's going on it could be chaos in their ear there could be things breaking all around them but they just keep going and you think wow that looks really easy and effortless and that's because they're good but the reality is it's like a swan swimming away that looks nice and calm on the surface but underneath there's the feet frantically paddling and that's a little bit similar to what we do. Is it a difficult career path to take? It can be. Partly, you have to know what you're talking about. So you need to do the physics and the maths, and that can be quite tricky. Um, thermodynamics and fluid dynamics um, are not the easiest things to get the hang of. But once you've mastered the science and then you use it in real-life applications, it becomes a little bit easier. And then the actual day-to-day job is good fun but it's getting your foot in the door. And sometimes that's the tricky bit is finding a job. And then that is often down to being in the right place at the right time, or even knowing the right people who can say, this is coming up. Would you like to apply? I think in television, not all the jobs get advertised. Some of it is more contacts and they'll approach you rather than you find out about the job. So that can make things a little bit harder to find the jobs. But if you get into the industry and work your way up, then the world's your oyster. Have you ever felt attacked or seen as less in your career because you're a woman? I think there are times when you maybe be in a chat with somebody and you might be seeing the information, but they'll believe it more from a man than from a woman, even though you're both saying the same things. But most of the people I work with are pretty respectful and wouldn't behave like that. And 
most of the women I know that are also meteorologists are quite strong-willed, quite opinionated. So we wouldn't we wouldn't stand for that. So yeah, if there are ever times when I feel that people aren't doubting what I'm seeing and they would rather hear it from someone else, then I would make sure that they know that I know what I'm talking about and they should listen to me. Do you receive any negative comments for being on TV? Oh yes. And that is the sad reality that you'll get people who like they might say something that they maybe think is harmless. So they might say something on social media like, oh, Kirsty's on today. I much prefer Lucy or someone else. And that's quite hurtful because they don't need to tag you to that post. That might be how they feel. But do they really need to say it? I mentioned when I was pregnant, I got comments saying, oh, I don't want to see that. And oh, I wish I can't see Devon and Cornwall now. And that's again, people don't need to say that to you. And I even had somebody write a letter to me when I worked for the BBC in London and I was doing the weather for the whole country but I got a letter from somebody saying that I should go back to Scotland and leave the national job to the English presenters which again was terribly rude because when you're doing national weather you're doing it for the whole country you don't need to be from a specific country to do it so yeah people say the strangest things you never know what's going to come out but as I said before it's not maybe real to the person writing it but it's not real to you you can look at it, read it, laugh about it and forget about it because it really, those kind of comments aren't important. What is your daily routine like when you're working? If I'm doing an early shift, then the night before I get everything ready that I'm going to need the next day. So I put out the clothes I'm going to wear, even my shoes, the bag, everything's ready so that when the alarm goes off and I usually have my watch go off so that it wakes me quietly but then I have loads of other alarms set up as backup in case I don't wake up and so then as soon as I wake up I have to turn off everything sneak out the room try not to wake up anyone else in the house and it depends before Covid I used to go into work and get hair and makeup done there but now I tend to do it at home first because for a while nobody was allowed to do your hair and makeup so I would do hair and makeup and then head out to the studio very early in the morning And then the first thing you do when you get to work is have a look at what's going on with the weather. So what's happened, what's happening now, what's going to happen next. And to do that, we look at the radar, the satellite, all the computer models. And then we try and build up a picture in our head of what's happening so that we know what the weather story is. And then I'll be writing things for online. I'll be creating graphics I want to use. I think usually you hit the ground running on a breakfast shift. So you very much have to get loads of things all want to be done at the same time. Most of the places I work at, Sky News, or um, I've also do some shifts with BBC, they all need TV and radio and social media. So you're very much trying to do lots of things at once. And you're kept busy every half hour. You do another broadcast or another recording, or sometimes even frequently, more frequently than that, you've got things in between. So basically from about six in the morning to 10, 11 in the morning, you're doing regular broadcasts, sometimes even into lunchtime, and then you're done for the day. So that is the good thing. If you do an early shift, you usually finish by lunchtime. So that's nice. You get the rest of the day. What is the average salary for a meteorologist? All depends on whether, if you're talking about somebody that does broadcasting or just another meteorologist, but you also get meteorologists who work for energy companies, for banks, because they want to know what's happening with long range forecasts and how that's going to impact on businesses. So there's a huge range of jobs that you can do. So you might start off as a junior meteorologist only earning 30 40,000 but as you become more senior then you could be especially if you're on screen or 
in quite um, a high profile role, then you'd be earning maybe 80, 90, if not over 100,000 a year. I think the salaries can be very good if you get the job that works for you. So maybe on average, 50, 60,000 would be a reasonable average, taking into account that there's lots of different careers that you can follow. Um, usually there might be a separate shift allowance or it may be built into the salary. So there's always a potential for a meteorologist to do quite well because you get paid for those unsociable hours. Do you have a support system? Because as you've talked about how people feel entitled to give an opinion on something that's like none of their business. My biggest support system would be my immediate friends and family who will not only love me unconditionally and tell me to ignore all the haters sort of thing, but they will also be honest with me if I need feedback. But most organisations I work with have actually official places where you can get support. Sky, for example, have a good service where if you need any mental help or support, you can contact somebody absolutely confidentially. You don't need to tell your boss or anything so that you can get the help you need. So there are a lot more systems in place now than when I first started out because your mental health is so important and will keep you doing the job. Do you have any advice for someone who wants to pursue this career? I think you have to work very hard at the start. You have to enjoy it. I think if you have a passion and whether that's for meteorology or anything, if you have a passion for something, then that will show and you will do your job well and people will want you to do the job and progress you through that career. So you have to find something you're passionate about. And I'm passionate about the weather. So if you want to do meteorology, hopefully you would also be passionate about the weather. You need to do the groundwork. You need to, I think it really helps if you know what you're talking about. So you need to get the qualifications because there are times when you're on air, when the graphics fail, absolutely nothing there, but you've got two minutes to chat. So you need to know what you're talking about in order to talk about something. If there's no script, there's no graphics, there's nothing there, then you need to be able to know your stuff. But I also think you have to have a plan B and that your career that you think you might have might not work out. You might might turn out that you try it and you do it, but actually you hate television. It's so nerve wracking and you're not enjoying it. So you need to think, well, what else could I do instead? Do you stay in meteorology? Do you like radio or is that also too much? Do you prefer producing it, being more behind the scenes? Do you want to go and work for a company? So there's other options. Or maybe you think, actually, do you know what? I want to teach meteorology. I want to do something that side of things. So I think the most important thing you do, whatever you want to do in life, is to always have your plan B there because it never turns out the way you expect it to. So make sure you've got the qualifications to do what you'd like to do, but then also have a few ideas up your sleeve of what you might do in case you can't do what it is you want to do in the first place and you might find you actually prefer the other stuff more if you would do anything different what would it be and why I think one of the things when you first start out is that you put a lot of effort into your career and your job and I think when you look back at it now that actually that's not the most important thing I think we all need to remember that work-life balance and that you you don't live to work you work to live when you first start out, if somebody needs a shift covered, you're always going to go, oh, yes, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. And you're maybe putting your physical and mental health at risk. I think you need to learn to say no a bit more. So probably start, if I did it all over again, I'd probably say no a lot more than I did. Maybe that wouldn't go down so well. But I think hindsight's a great thing. I think I now know where I'd be firmer and where maybe I'd be like, sure, that's fine. But I think you have to always be true to yourself. And if you don't, if something's not right for you, then you have to be able to find a way to not do it and hopefully not let people down. But looking after yourself as a priority and time with friends and family, you 
is also a priority. When I first started working, I was doing so many weekends that I missed out on so many social occasions with friends. And each one on their own is maybe not important, but the cumulative effect of missing so many social events is that you can start to feel a bit lonely. So I think it's finding that balance with everything's important. Do you get recognised when you go out? Not often, but I do have, I think, a face that seems vaguely familiar. And so occasionally people say, I think I know you. And I just tend to go, hmm, maybe it's, it's, you don't want to just say, oh, yeah. So I tend not to tell people unless they ask me what I do. I wouldn't say what I do. But I do always get asked for directions, even if it's abroad, somewhere I don't know. I always seem to get stopped in the street and asked for directions. And I don't know whether I just have one of those faces that I either look confident where I am or friendly enough to approach. And I think that's quite often the look of somebody that does weather on TV. We're not super glamorous, but we're quite friendly and approachable. So I always get asked for directions. So maybe that's people recognising me. I don't know. I do get a lot of weird moments of ever get a taxi somewhere and taxi drivers always want to tell you what the weather's doing and how they've got it wrong and you sit in the back of the taxi thinking I wonder if they know what I do I'm, I'm just going to keep quiet on this one <laughs> just go right because you do get a lot of oh they said this and they said that and I, I don't know who they are but quite often it's not what the meteorologists or have been saying I don't know where they got their information from. Did you meet any interesting people whilst at university or at work or like when you were starting out If so, did they influence your decision on becoming a meteorologist? I suppose I've met lots of interesting people during work, but usually people who work in other industries, so in music or show business, films and things like that. I've met a lot of interesting people. I've never thought I could do their job. In terms of meteorology, I'm not sure. I don't think I really knew anyone until I started doing the job. I paid vague attention to people on the news. I mean, he would be a bit before your time, but someone like Michael Fish, everybody knew of because he had a reputation for missing a big storm that affected the UK. I suppose I met people like that, but I don't know if they influenced my decision to do it. I think I was quite strong-willed and I knew what I wanted to do for me. I wasn't necessarily doing it to be like anybody else. Do you have any hobbies or interests aside from meteorology? Yep. It's hard to fit it in. With, with shifts and family but I do like to sing so I sing in a choir um, and that's every Monday and then we do concerts every so often so that's about the only thing I manage to fit in at the moment is singing I try and do a little bit of exercise as well maybe if it's nice weather then I might pop outside for a bit of a run but I'm not very good at running but I do try. What subjects helped you achieve where you are today? I would say the most useful things I got from school was maths and physics, without a doubt, are absolutely essential to have. If you've got a good grounding in maths and physics, then you won't be put off by the trickier bits with meteorology. And then the other most useful thing I learned at school was how to touch type, which sounds ridiculous, but actually I use that every day. Every time I'm on a laptop and typing away, sending emails or letters to people, it's so much easier being able to type fast. So that's probably one of the most useful things I ever got taught at school. Has anything unexpected happened live on TV? Yeah, quite a lot. Things often go a little bit wrong. Sometimes there's you might have a guest in. There's Breakfast TV quite often seems to like to have animals in now and again. So there might be a dog running loose around the studio, might come up to you when you're doing the weather. Sometimes it's just a simple thing that's gone wrong, like maybe the batteries have run out on your microphone or your earpiece, so you can't hear anything. What I get a lot in my ear is just counts, so I know when to come, when to start talking, when to stop talking. If 
I can't hear through my earpiece, then there's somebody in a studio called the floor manager and they can then tell me when to start and stop. And they do that using special hand signals and they'll stand behind the camera so that they're not visible. So that helps. But then I need to find a way to tell them that I can't hear anything. So if you ever watch somebody on TV that's maybe like tapping their ear subtly or tapping their watch, that's usually them kind of saying, I can't hear or how long have I got? So it's all these little signals that we have to kind of communicate the panic that's inside that we're trying not to show. One of the things that we tend to wear when we're on TV, because often it's a full body shot for the weather and they're going to see your feet, then we'll wear maybe a pair of nice shoes but they tend to be heels and they're not very comfortable. So I would take them off between broadcasts. And then just as I walk back into the studio, I'll pop the heels back on. And um, one time the main news presenter threw to the weather early. And so as I was walking into the studio with my shoes in my hand and the clicker in the other hand, I could hear my earpiece and coming to the weather now, 10, 9, 8. And I could hear that little advert before the weather playing out. And I was thinking, oh, good Lord. So I had to quickly get in front of the screen. And then I had to decide with the clicker that controls the weather graphics, there's a code I have to type in to unlock that. And that would take up the rest of the time. And I wouldn't have time to put my shoes on as well. So I had to throw my shoes away and then type in the code. And then as they came to me, I stood up on my toes, sort of balanced on the balls of my feet as much as I could to kind of look like I had heels on because I was wearing nude shoes. And nobody noticed except the director who very kindly framed the shot and just got the camera to lift up just a little bit higher so that on most news stations, they have a little ticker that runs along the bottom of the screen that has breaking news or other information on it. And so that that just covered where my shoes would have been had I been wearing any shoes. But nobody noticed. But again, that's one of these things that happens. And part of the job is thinking on your feet and knowing how to cope with the unexpected. Do you have any friends or family in your career? If so, do they support you or do they act like competition? I would say that we're actually quite a good community as meteorologists go. There are a few that might be, there's an expression sort of elbows out. So there are a few that maybe are looking after number one and not so concerned about the others. But you always have to remember that as you move your way up in a career, at some point you'll reach a peak and you're going to probably come back down again and you're going to meet all the people on the way up on the way down all the people that you met on the way up if that makes sense so basically as you go back down you're going to meet all those people that you met on the way up and if you weren't nice to them they'll remember you so I think you should always be nice to everyone whether they're more senior or more junior because one day the person that's more junior might become more senior and then you'll be in a pickle so always be nice to people you never know who you're going to work with next and also they might be able to help you So I think there's a good community with the meteorologists. We all do tend to know each other and help each other out. And I've worked in a few different places now. So I always seem to come across people from previous places when I move to somewhere else and vice versa. So there's a few that aren't so nice, but I'd say on the whole, I found some very good friends for life through working in meteorology. It's a bit of a sisterhood with a few brothers in there as well. What university or college did you go to? I studied geophysics at the University of Edinburgh so that was studying more the earthquakes and volcanoes and how our planet works and then after that I spent a summer at NASA I went to NASA Goddard Space Flight Centre and I did an internship with them looking at the crustal structure off the coast of Australia and in the Philippines trying to analyse that using satellite data and then I went to the University of Oxford where I looked more into research into environmental magnetism And then it's while I was there, I saw the advert for a new scientist magazine, 
where they were looking for somebody just to come for the summer to learn how to be a sub-editor. And I thought, oh, I really, that sounds interesting. And so I went to go there for a summer and then stayed there for four years because I really enjoyed it. So in terms of universities, I was at Edinburgh, then Oxford. And then I've worked at so many exciting places like NASA, New Scientist. And then through the weather side of things, I started off at the BBC Weather Centre, but I was actually employed by the Met Office. So I've worked for the Met Office, the BBC, ITV, Channel 5, Sky, uh, the Weather Channel when they were based in the UK as well. So I've been really lucky to have worked for some amazing places. And I, I now also work for the Royal Meteorological Society and for Metro Weather, which is a New Zealand company as well. So I'm kept pretty busy, but um, everything's about weather. And I don't think I'll ever get bored of talking about it. Can you recommend any resources for girls who would like to do stuff in meteorology? There's actually a really good online course that you can do. Uh, it's called Come Rain or Shine. And if you have a quick Google for that, a quick search for Come Rain or Shine, then you can actually do some sort of introductions to meteorology and you can learn about synoptic pressure charts, about cold fronts and warm fronts and how our atmosphere works. And that's quite a really good sort of introduction to how the weather works. Probably the best way to do, if you are interested in being a weather presenter, is to watch other people do it. So watch the weather on as many different channels as you can, listen to it on the radio and see how people do it and think about how you would do it. How would you tell the weather story? Thank you for joining another STEM Untapped podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then subscribe for free on your podcast app. You can follow us on Instagram at STEM Untapped. If you know of a school or group of students who would like to interview female role models, do get in touch. Likewise, if you know of anyone who would be a great female or non-binary STEM role model, please let us know. Our details are all documented in the show notes.